Bow down to the king. Bow down to the king. Bow down to the king. Bow down. Papa just got his ass kicked. I catch a lot of punches with my nose. I was boxing with one of the best mates that I ever had in this life. A very developed person to my heart. And he really can punch. Very heavy arms, very good technique. He landed a lot of them into my nose and my jaw. And while I was inside that uh, rain of pain and sweat and grunts and gloves of tight synthetic leather smashing against my soft surface of skin, breaking my cellular structure and taking some blood red vessels mixed with white ones out of my nose. There was just one constant thought in my mind, and that was about the king and queens of old. I was, when I was a little child, I was reading all these fantasy books, like The Lord of the Rings, very beautiful book. If you haven't read it, you're wasting your time because it's a very beautiful book, series of books. The movies are also good, very heroic, but you cannot compare them to the literature of the motherfucking Tolkien. Uh, a weed smoker genius, you should check him out. With those books and other ones of those kind, these sagas of adventure, romance, and overall what I will call discarding the image of the self. Why discarding the image of the self? Because all these heroic figures, the kings of the books, the mages, the knights, the warrior, the Amazonic strong woman, the witches, they were all discarding themselves. They were getting into these very epic battles and they were getting in the front line. The most heroic ones, the kings and queens of old, they were always in the front line. That's an interesting characteristic that now has been forgotten by our rulers and presidents and ministers and all those motherfuckers. Usually what they do, as in the Bob Dylan song, Masters of War, Come the masters of war, you that hide behind desks. That's what they do. They hide behind fucking desks. And they send the young men to fight their fights. Which is very, very deplorable. It's sad as fuck and is deployed of all the virtue, all the, all the manliness and all the, I will call it, womanliness that is... I shall recognize the pulsion and strength of a warrior woman. In fact, from my personal opinion, a warrior woman can be much more brave, can be much more fierce, and can be much more kamikaze than a warrior man. Because women have the tendency of motherhood and protection. And if you have the protection of a woman, be it a lover, be it a mother, be it a sister, be it a friend, she will give it all for you. And you shall do the same for her. I mean, if you are in that case scenario. Because that's how kings 
and queens of all the legendary rulers of the mythological lands of imagination and the ethereal planes, what was what they were doing? And they were not just imaginary figures, they really existed. You can analyze history. Of course, history had been modified by stupid motherfuckers as they wanted, by these corporations and by the very decadent educational system. But if you really know how to read behind lines and if you really explore all these figures that existed, the Queen Elizabeth, she was counseled by John Dee. John Dee was an occultist and he was an adventurer and he was an explorer and he could not give a single fuck. He could not give less fucks because he was very brave. The same as Alistair Crowley counseling Winston Churchill when the war happened, Second World War. He was there. He was in the front line. He was doing crazy shit. Actually, Alistair Crowley was doing a lot of secret agent things. The same as John Dee. And that's when you start to realize that these figures of the legendary mages like Merlin that was going into battle or Gandalf the White, the legendary magician, wizard of the Lord of the Rings, they were really taking it. In the, in the series of The Lord of the Rings, there is a novel, as I mentioned before, written by Tolkien about fantasy, about a ring that can control everything and it has to be thrown into a volcano, basically, to be destroyed because if somebody takes it, it um, grows ambition and loss of power in its wielder. So there is this mission to throw it into the lava and the only one that can throw it and can actually withstand the weight of ambition is a little guy, a hobbit. Very brave heart, enormous heart, but little body. And he's protected by, by very marvelous, valiant beings. A beautiful elf princess, a king that is in exile, and a wizard. At certain point, they get into a dungeon. Imagine this dungeon, all creepy and full of fire and darkness and slime and the smell of the gods of the earth. And when they are in this... In this dungeon, there appears what is called a Balrog. I will describe you a Balrog as a big, big phallic demon motherfucker that wants to fuck you in every way. That wants to punch you in the nose, that wants to make you cry, that wants to take out your intestines and wear them as a garland of flowers around his enormous devilish neck. And he is there, this Balrog creature that comes from the abysms of the earth. The devil of the devils, the archetypal devils of the myth. Worse than the dragon. Well, at the same level of the tyrannical dragon, but this one is a fiery demon. Hairy and horrible and horny. And he tries to kill all the gang that wants to deliver the, the ring into the fiery volcano. And they cannot take him, of course. He's powerful as fuck. He breathes lava and uh, he's covered in a dark aura that makes you shit yourself. But the, the magician, the wizard of the gang, Gandalf, he just stands in front of the big devil, fights him with his magician wizard light. And with this voice that we will never forget if you saw the movie, but also in the book, it's quoted like that. Gandalf says to this enormous demon, You shall not pass! When he says that, he strikes his magician staff into the ground. Everything collapses. The demon falls into the abyss of darkness. And with his last demonic power, he 
throws his demonic whip into Gandalf's leg and wraps around the leg of the magician and pulls him into the abyss too. Gandalf gets just holding. And when I say Gandalf, you need to analyze this not at the just particular story of the Lord of the Rings, but as the complete story of what this archetype of the wizard, of the wizard king, of the wizard ruler and or magician, it can be a witch also, is representing. He's brave and he's suicidal and he will give it all or she will give it all for his gang, for the cause. He's willing to sacrifice herself or himself for the cause. And that's exactly what Gandalf, the magician, does. He's hanging with his fingers from the cliff, feeling the, the, heated, the heated whip of the devil around his leg. And the gang, the hobbits and the humans and the elves that are there, try to reach him, to help him. He just looks at them and tells them, Fly, you fools! And he lets himself fall into the abyss with the devil to fight the devil in this epic fall on the darkness, on the pitch of darkness. They start to fight and fight. The magician grabs his sword and his staff and they're really having this fucking fight. They actually even get out of the cave because this devil, of course, has enormous wings. Imagine the size. The magician is like the size of a mouse compared to a big human. And they're really fighting. So this mouse of a magician is fighting this big devil and uh, flying around. They're kicking each other's asses until both of them, they fall dead. They really fall dead. How many beings, really question yourself, how many beings are willing to sacrifice their own life for a cause? I don't mean not even their life, their faces. Most people, the, the, the thing that they care about the most is their fucking faces. It's like, uh, like we say when we box, like, okay, hit me everywhere, but not the face. That's what people are protecting, the face, because the face is the mask of the ego. But all these legendary figures, the wizards, the witches, the kings and the queens, they were not giving a fuck about their faces. In fact, their faces was the first thing that we were putting into battle. They were facing the battle. You need to analyze that expression. What it means facing something. Facing a demon. Facing life. Facing your shadow. Facing situations that may have happened to you in your past. Like rapings, like uh, abuse. Really things that, that can damage you. Really things that that can change your experience of life. What we call the fall from innocence. Violent situations that may have damaged, that may have scarred your mind, your spirit, or your body. Your soul, don't worry. Your soul cannot be scarred. Your soul cannot be tainted. Your soul is pure as the soul of everybody. Your soul is God divine. So your soul is out of harm. But your body and mind, yes, they can be, they can be scratched. And a lot of situations... They have done that to people in, in their past experiences and they still carry them around. But those are the demons. Those are the demons that, that we need to face. And by face, I mean that. Not cover yourself with a shield and sword. The shield and sword are accessories. But they are just tools for the dance of battle. What you put first, what makes you a queen, a king, a witch and a wizard is to be able to put your face 
first. As Gandalf, do not give a fuck and sacrifice yourself for your cause. Well, now I need to question you personally. Yes, you motherfucker. Yeah, I know who you are. What is your cause? You have a cause that is superior to yourself. In the Lord of the Rings, the cause was to deliver the ring into the mountain for saving the Middle Earth, that is the land of the Lord of the Rings, from enslavement on the hands of a fucking tyrant. That was the mission. And everybody was willing, the party, the gang, was willing to do it, to sacrifice their own lives, their own faces, their own bodies, their knees and their elbows <laughs> for doing this, for freeing their land of enslavement. This is a fantasy novel, but of course, in real life, what we call in the human plane, because fantasy is very real. What is written in a book is very real. In fact, a lot of characters are much more real than people. They are immortal. They are archetypes. You can kill... The, the actor that represents Gandalf, for example, can die. But the fear of Gandalf will always live. And if you burn the books of the Lord of the Rings, every one of them, the figure of Gandalf will disappear. But the archetype of the magician, of the wizard, of the witch, of the sorceress, will always continue. That means that these beings are even far from mortality. They are really immortal. They inhabit a plane that is basically superior to us. And we, as human beings, you, me, everybody else, we are just that. We're representations of archetypes. And you can really choose what archetype you want to canalize. You can be the wise king, the wise, brave, beautiful queen. You can be the crazy motherfucking wizard. You can be the reckless witch. And that's your right. That's your magical right. And that's a beautiful magical operation. I would say that from my experience, that operation is a conversation with the holy guardian angel to really analyze who are you? Who are you behind you? Who are you behind your mask? Who are you behind who, who people told you you should be? Who are you behind this persona that you have created and give maintenance through the years and just keep going and going and going and going and going? Who are really you? That's a conversation with the Holy Guardian Angel. That's in Jungian terms to reach your archetype and to integrate it to yourself. When you are going into the adventure to find your archetype, of course, you go into the shadows. You fight the demon. And that's when the demon... That is beautiful how... how in every story we can find a lesson because there is that is is humanity talking to itself then again when you go inside yourself to the conversation with the holy guardian angel and you reach the demon and you reach the archetype you see them both fighting you see you see your wizard as gandalf fighting the demon the balrog of course every symbol that i'm representing can be changed in sex you see the witch fighting the demoness and they're just there fighting to that, fighting to that, to see which wins, to see which wins. But as in the epic battle of the wizard Gandalf, at the end, both die. It's curious, when Gandalf dies fighting this demon, I'm going to try to quote him. He says, I went into a dimension where there was no time, no space, no difference between me and anything else. There was not a presence, not even of myself, but there was the presence. 
which means that Gandalf, because of just letting go of himself completely, just not attaching to anything, he said, this will be my last act on earth, my last dance on this planet. I will live existence in a beautiful, epic battle. Even if there are not witnesses to it, I will do it because it's my true will. Of course, a magician and a wizard and a sorceress and a witch, they are always doing their true will. That's what make them warlocks and witches, of course. Of course. And Gandalf did it. And when he reached this state of absolute voidness, he says, and there, there was this presence, the God itself, the God behind all gods. And it told me, go back. And that's what I did. That's what Gandalf said. And he go back. And when he go back, he become Gandalf the White. Before he was Gandalf the Grey. Representing that he still has some doubts about himself. He was a character that was doubting. Was doubting. Sometimes he was having fear. But when he reached the state of Gandalf the White, that is nothing else than liberation. He got liberated. He became a Buddha. Buddha wizard. A motherfucking Buddha wizard. Imagine that. When, when East and West get mixed in the most powerful, effective blend. He comes back. He reaches the gang again. And the gang says, Hey, Gandalf, you're back. And they start to cry. And they're very happy. And Gandalf, the wizard, just says, Gandalf. Yeah. That's how they used to call me. You can call me like that. That means, that deeply means that this being is completely purified of his persona, of his mask. The mask that he may wear is just an option. Because what she or he is, is that the divine will just being expressed without any kind of restriction, chain or bounds. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? But then again, these legendary warriors, wizards, witches, and kings and queens, they were not having it easy. And by easy, I mean they were not avoiding friction. In fact, they were having a lot of friction. Their adventures are basically frictions. Them and their soft humanoid bodies frictioning against the rough edges of reality, the rusted swords, the jungles, the dungeons, the tooths and fangs of horrible orcs trying to bite them, the dark claws of reality. And they were, yes, they were having fear. Of course they were having fear. But even with fear, they were just wiping it out and going straight into battle. Then again, straight into battle. I know that the hippie mystical community gets very um, gets very to the light side and they say, no, but battle, don't battle. Peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. Look into the grass. Get your eyes closed into the grass and you will see that there are these little beings fighting each other and trying to conquer each other and protecting their Bog family from other Bog families and armies. There is always this constant dance of reality. Of course, we as humans have gotten 
into what I will call a spiritual recognition. As Siddhartha Gautama Shakyamuni, my beloved Buddha, we believe that suffering can be taken out of the equation. Pain not. Pain will always be there. Pain will always be there for every sentient being. But suffering can be taken out of the equation. And we as human beings that have a will and a will of power, we can decide how to empower this will over reality. And if we don't believe in suffering, and if we don't want suffering for ourselves, then we strive to end up the suffering of other beings. Makes all sense, right? That was what's happening there in The Lord of the Rings and in every epic novel that you may find there about adventures and what I would call in some way good against evil or against, or maybe the, the freedom lovers against the tyrants. I would call it like that, freedom lovers against tyrants. You read the Harry Potter books and it's the same, freedom lovers against tyrants. There is this figure that, that, that wants to have control. Usually they want to have control because if you study the figure of the, of the billion, it's because they lost control completely at a certain point of their lives. They have a very traumatic situation where they lost control completely. And when a being lost, loses control and doesn't faces that shadow, what they want to do is to regain control over reality in a very tyrannical way. And that's what this Lord Voldemort, Darth fucking Vader, we need to analyze Darth Vader. Darth Vader is a beautiful figure from Star Wars. You know, I'm going to get a little geek on all of you, but it's necessary because what I'm talking about is your mythology. It's basically Greek mythology, Mesopotamian mythology, Chinese mythology, Nordic mythology. Take it into the popular culture. Why? Because mythology itself wants to get out, to show you something. Everything that happens in reality, reality is your tarot. Every symbol that you experience, every word that I'm telling to you is meant for you. Is fucking meant for you because if not, you would not listen to it. Yeah. So now listen to it. <clears throat> Darth Vader from Star Wars. I will just say that it's a person that experienced a very traumatic situation where he lost control of everything. And instead of just letting go and saying, well, yeah, life is like that. Life moves in the way it moves. Life does whatever it wants. Life flows and dances as it may. The motherfucker got all paranoid. The motherfucker got all traumatized. And he realized that he never wanted to experience something out of his control again. So he became the biggest tyrant in the galaxies. Not even the galaxy, the galaxies. He becomes so fucking tyrant that his will to control and subjugate reality give him fucking very strong telekinetic powers. And he's, of course, not a freedom lover at all. He wants to have everything in order. He's a maniac of order. He's like a Virgo, but like a very dark, terrible Virgo. And the other freedom lovers that want to stop him, that they are willing to sacrifice their own lives, their arms, their planets, just to stop the tyrant. How much people are really willing to do that? How much people are really willing to discard their material bodies and their mental structures just for freedom, just for liberty. To, and not just of the freedom of human beings, for the freedom of animals, for the freedom of every 
sentient being. And when we go a little deeper on that and remember Shakyamuni, Buddha, Siddhartha, Gautama that I just mentioned, we can do it. We can do it in our way. And if you are listening to this and you arrive to this point, it's very likely that you want to do it. You can do it like that. You can do it by ending the suffering of other sentient beings, because that can be done. Pain, pain, we cannot fix it. As long as we have, as Bodhidharma says, if you want to not experience pain, well, kill your body. That's the only way to not experience pain, because pain will be there. But suffering, the bad trip, it can be ended. And as we learn from all these mythologies, from Lord Voldemort, from Darth Vader, from Lord Sauron, all these motherfucking tyrants, if suffering, if the bad trip can be eased, a person can really change. And instead of becoming a control fucking freak maniac lord of tyranny, they can really let go. But the step one of letting go is in this battle dance that is life, put your face first. Face it. Face it and let this amazing archetype of the witch, of the wizard, of the king and the queen express through you the royal will, the royal will will flow through you. That's my blessing. That's my blessing, sisters and brothers. See you in the next episode. You are pure royalty.